I'm Amber Tresca, and this is About IBD. It's my mission to educate people living with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis about their disease and to bring awareness to the patient journey. Welcome to episode 57, part two of the story about Ryan Stevens, who took part in the Ironman Triathlon in Madison, Wisconsin in September 2019. Ryan swam competitively through high school and college and began participating in triathlons just before his diagnosis of Crohn's disease 10 years ago. His first flare-up was devastating and he ultimately needed to have his colon removed. He was able to get back to his regular activities, including two swims across Lake Erie, but another flare-up a few years later led to a series of abscesses that required several more surgeries. Ryan and his team decided that a permanent ileostomy was the best choice and he now lives with a stoma. After the surgery, he was healthy enough to train again, and this time, he decided to try for the title of Ironman. The swim is 2.4 miles. Correct. The bike is 112 miles, and the run is 26.22 miles, which is also considered to be a marathon. Correct. Right. And you do this in one day. <laughs> One after the other, yes. The run is in downtown Madison. And I figure out, oh, okay, w- this is the where they're going to start. And I'm like, I think we can catch him as he comes out for the start of the race, right? And then we see you come running down. Like, I almost missed you because you were actually running. <laughs> I've had some other racers tell me what their thoughts were on transitioning from the bike over to the run. So I'm interested to know how you felt about that part of it. Well, I'd never done a race like this before. So from the swim to the bike, I think it was 11 or 12 minutes. And a lot of that was just running from the end of the swim up this helix, which is, I kind of got dizzy because I was, you know, when you're swimming, you're horizontal and then you come into this, you know, you're standing upright. It's really interesting because you have volunteers in there and they, Males go into one side of the room and there's barriers up so you can't see, you know, the females who are on the other side of the room. And there are people in there just helping you change. You know, you take off your shirt and you're like, I'm going to put this one on. Maybe you, because you're sweaty, so things don't go on quickly. And but there's guys helping you. They're pulling your shoes out and getting those ready for you. Um, I didn't really have that on the run transition, but on the swim to bike, there was a guy that was helping me. That's when the nerves really kicked in because here it is. I, I've made it. But one, I was super thankful that I didn't have any issue on the bike, but now I got to do this entire marathon, something I've never done before. I was shocked that I could actually walk and then started to run. And I thought it would take me at least 20 minutes to half an hour to before I even attempted to run. But I started running right, right away. And for the first couple of miles, I felt actually pretty decent. Yeah, I did change because, I mean, you just biked 112 miles and that Jersey and <laughs> I just wanted a fresh one, you know. How much of it did you run versus walk? I know you said you were walking at some points because you were just rehydrating. Yeah, just about every mile they have a an aid station with you name it. They had uh, Red Bull, Coca Cola, salty chips, and at some of them they had chicken broth, which helped because it started to get cold and then it downpoured. And I was really cold and I do not function well in the cold. I like the heat and I was worried about that all day. And on the bike, I was a little bit chilly sometimes, especially when it rained a little bit, but there were only maybe four or five times that I just decided to run through a brake stop and not 
stop and walk. Now I didn't really stop. You know, I would continually walk. Uh, there was one giant hill that just about everybody I saw was walking up and I did as well. There was just no way I was going to run up it. And the great thing about the run was I didn't get, I got to see everybody that I had trained with. That part was the most fun because obviously during the swim, you're not stopping either to talk to anybody and the bike, you're not really communicating, but I got to see everyone. And then I saw uh, Chris's brother and his sister-in-law. So I got to see quite a few people besides just you and Megan and Wayne, but there were other people that knew me and that would shout encouragement as well, which I really needed on the run because once it started raining, I was really like, this stinks, you know, you're cold and the rain was, I mean, it wasn't a monsoon, but it was enough, you know, that you were kind of drenched through, but somehow I kept going. I was concerned until I saw you at the half point. Uh, so you had run a half marathon <laughs> at that point and you seemed fine. <laughs> like you seemed fine. So I was like, he's fine. He's going to finish. It was not raining at that point. I think it started raining um, because I started headed to- heading towards the finish line because again, at that point I had walked 10 miles. Right. So I was not going to try to walk to some other point to see where you were. I just went to the finish line yeah. and then it started raining and it rained a lot and it was not supposed to rain yeah. at all. It was not in the forecast at yeah. all. I didn't, I mean, obviously you were running and it was very bad, but like, I also didn't, I didn't have an umbrella. I didn't have a hat and nothing. So, so I was standing there in the rain and thinking about you guys trying to finish in the rain, but I wasn't worried because I was like, even if you have to walk it, because it was my understanding and I did not see a lot of people walking, but it was my understanding talking with the people that I know that I have completed Ironmans that a lot of people do walk it or walk significant portions of it. But almost every time I saw people running, there wasn't really a lot of walking that I saw. I mean, the, the pros obviously are not walking. No, I think any age grouper walked quite a bit. I didn't re- learn later until later that you had covered 10 miles, but I know I, I did ask you if you were taking care of yourself. I appreciated you guys being out there. Yeah, that was really very funny. Well, Brian Greenberg had told me, he was like, let me tell you, it's a long day for spectators. And I'm like, eh, okay, what? I'm not doing the race. Come on. You know, like I took, I, I took his point, but I was like, until not really that worried about it. it, but until you experience it. Yeah. And then, yeah. And at the end, and I was like, oh my gosh. And then I'm standing there cause it's raining and there's, it's not like they have put out chairs for people. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that, that's, that did start to get challenging, but at least it stopped raining when you came towards the finish line. And then I had a hard time finding a place to stand at the finish line. Like I had no idea how people would come and watch and cheer and stand there in the rain, not just for the pros, because the pros had finished hours ago. Right. Okay. So now you have like people that are sort of, and again, time is not the important part here. The important part is finishing, but people are sort of in the middle and the end. And all these people are standing there cheering for hours, like People did not walk away, even when it started raining. So I had to go in and sort of like, sort of finagle a place, you know, and then I would tell them, I'm like, my dude's coming. So I'm just going to stand here and then you can stand here in a minute. Like as soon as he goes past, like, I don't care. But I just want to be able to, you know, get the pictures of him going past and whatever. And even then, like, I really wasn't at like the best place. Like 
I got some kind of cool pictures, but I still wasn't at the pla- at the best place because I didn't realize it. Yeah. So I see you go past. Of course, you're not going to see me because there's like a bazillion people. Um, bright lights. You, yeah, yeah, bright lights. You look like you're like I'm so done. That was- <laughs> but tell me when you cross the finish line, how that felt? Just a sense of accomplishment, and I was extremely happy that it was over and that I had completed it. So, uh, like I said, the whole run was just intimidating. And at the halfway point at the half marathon point, they have what's called special needs bag. So you put in your bag things that you think you might need. And I had in there, uh, socks because Wayne had said, you're going to want to change your socks. So I pulled out those socks and Wayne was standing there uh, outside the barricade and I hold up my socks and show him and he smiles. And so I sat down at that time cause there was a chair there and that was a mistake because I changed my socks and then I almost did not stand back up. I was like, Ugh, this chair feels really good, you know? And, but I did eventually I was like, all right, you got to go. You still got to do it. Another 13.1 and coming around. I forget what the mile, what the mile sign says. Just before you enter the finish, I don't know if it was 25 or something like that. Like I knew I only had a mile to go, basically. I was just happy that, yeah, there was nothing going to stop me at that point. And I didn't understand, I didn't hear clearly what, so the guy that brings you across the finish line is Mike Riley is his name. And he, I guess he's from the Toledo area, which is where I live, but he'll say, you know, you, you know, Ryan Stevens, you are an Iron Man, And then when you registered, you could give a little blurb about yourself. So I know I'd mentioned something about Crohn's and he did say something about Crohn's, but I don't know exactly what he said because I couldn't hear everything. You know, it was very loud. Maybe when, if I can find it online, I can maybe hear what he said. I mean, obviously it's probably what I wrote, but it didn't sound like what I wrote, but I know he, I know he mentioned Crohn's, which I was happy. Other than that, early on in the bike, I had been stung by a bee right on my leg and it hurt like you wouldn't believe for the entire day. I was like, I'm not allergic to bees or anything. I was like, this sting. And that's all I felt basically. It was probably good because I focused more on that than the actual pain of, you know, the run. So I'm like, maybe I should just go have it looked out. Maybe the stinger is still inside me because it, it stung me like on the edge of my skin and on the edge of my bike shorts. And I'm thinking maybe the stinger is just in there and it's been in there the whole day. That's why it hurts like hell. I went into the the med tent and there's, I was just amazed. I mean, there's guys in there with, you know, they've got saline drips going into them. And one guy's wrapped up like a mummy with, you know, blankets. And they sit me down and they're like, what brings you in? Basically, they didn't say it that way, but I'm like, well, I just I have this bee sting. I just thought maybe you guys could look at it. So they start breaking out the the saline, you know, they're going to run an IV. And I'm like, I'll give you a thousand dollars if you could stick me on the first try and get an IV in me. But guess what? Ain't no way. You're going to poke me five times at least. I'm not, I don't need an IV. There's no way. And I explained, you know, my history of Crohn's and how in the beginning, you know, 10 plus years ago, yeah, you could start an IV. You could throw your syringe across the room and start an IV on me. Cause that's, but now I don't know what the reason for this is, but I just, you cannot find a vein on me, a good vein. In fact, when I was still on 
uh, the one medication that, you know, is administered through an IV is she, the nurse had to start doing it through my hand, which is not always the funnest thing either. But so anyway, I was able to avoid starting an IV and I'm like, just look at this thing and tell me. And they did. And they gave me a little antibiotic cream. And then I got out of there. Crazy beasting. Of course, I didn't know that you'd been stung by IV or that you had sought out the medical tent. I didn't even know there was like, obviously there's a medical tent, but I had no idea what was going on. I go to the back to where all the athletes are coming out. And this is how insane I am. I'm looking at people coming out. And the reason why I understood at that point why so many volunteers are needed is because for every person that crossed the finish line, there was two people for them. So there was like a person on either side of them. And then you're coming out and then you're taking pictures and, you know, there's just different stuff going on. And then they have food and then you could sit down. They were giving like um, chair massages and things like that. And it was just chaos. It was chaos. (laughs) And I'm looking at some of the other people coming out and I'm like, okay, this and I'm looking them up at the app and I'm going, okay, they, they finished before Ryan did. So maybe he'll be coming through. And then I'm like, I don't like, I don't know where you are. I don't know what's going on. It's so funny. I've been tracking you all day with this app, which was like super fun for me. I always knew where you were, where you were going to be in a couple of minutes. And now I'm like, I have no idea where he's at. So. And never having done this before, I would know none none of us ever thought about, well, what are we going to do at the end? Like, where should we meet? Um, Luckily, I, once I left the med tent, I went, I walked up the finish line on the right side. And like you said, I mean, there's just people everywhere. And I crossed over and I came back the left side of it. And then I ran into Wayne and then he helped me, you know, walk back to the hotel and that was it. But I think it's a rule. So like when, when I finished and they're just asking me like, how do you feel? Are you okay? And then when I said, well, I think I, I want to go to the med tent. I didn't say why, but as soon as I said that, then they, they latched onto me even tighter and then they had to walk me. Both those people had to walk me to the med tent. So that's probably the rule. Like if they say, I need to go to the med tent because they're afraid you're just going to pass out or fall over. And I didn't want to tell them I, I got a little boo-boo from a bee sting, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, then it was funny because, of course, I didn't know that that had happened to you until after we were back at the hotel. But then you guys were telling me, I don't know, I'm not, a, I, I ride a bike inside in a climate controlled area but you guys were telling me that that happens a lot that bee stings happen a lot yeah and then sometimes the insect will go into your helmet and you've got some you know thing flying around in your hair hair inside the helmet fortunately that did not happen but the only time that my ostomy well twice only two times that my ostomy crossed my mind when you come up to a, a an aid station on the bike especially and even on the run too, they'll have designated trash areas. Like you're supposed to throw your trash out before you go any further. Cause obviously we want to be good stewards of our stay and, and the welcome we have at wherever we're racing. We don't want to just litter. I had trash and this wonderful volunteer, I'm like, can you take this trash? And I took it out of my back Jersey pocket and I handed it to her and totally forgot that I had placed in that pouch another ostomy pouch as she's walking away i see her walking with my ostomy pouch and i'm like wait i go i need that back and so she came back i'm like yep yeah, thank you and i took that back uh so that was the first time that i that i ever even considered or thought about it and then on the second i think on the second loop i 
needed to uh, use the restroom, the porta john. And so I went in there and, you know, my pouch was full. I mean, that's what it's designed to do. And I just peeled it off and I put the new one on. And like 10 seconds later, I was out of the porta john, you know. So that's <laughs> the only time that I ever thought about my ostomy the entire day. And the great thing about the ostomy too is I never, ever again in my life have to sit down in one of those damn porta johns. Never. <laughs> Don't have to. They were gross. You know, do you? Yeah. Do, oh, well, yeah. I used one several times during the day. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but so do you remember me asking you how you were going to manage your ostomy the night before? And you kind of looked at me like I was nuts. Do you remember that? I don't remember, but because because I was like, what happens if your appliance starts to come loose? I was like, do you have all that stuff with you? And you were like, I'm fine, whatever. And then you were like, I'm just gonna whip it off and throw it out if I have to, and then put on a new one. And I'm laughing at myself. And then, but that's actually what you did. Yeah, I was serious. It's an advantage. Yeah, it's an advantage actually. You know, they gave you a couple minutes over other people who had to like. I didn't even really have to stop. Yeah. You know, I could have done that on the fly on the bike if I wanted to. I mean, I would have had to throw it away. I wouldn't have handed it off to a, a volunteer like, hey, I've got some garbage here. No. <laughs> Don't look at it too closely. Right. Pick it up from the top. There you go. <laughs> don't turn it over. Don't, because <laughs> honestly, I, I really don't think about my ostomy anymore. Uh, I'm very fortunate. I can, I can do about a week of a pouch before I have to change it. And while, and that's even swimming as much as I swim a week, you know, I swim four times a week sometimes, and I can still get seven days wear out of a pouch. And when I was riding the 80 mile bike rides, not once did it ever give me an issue. And so I knew I just kind of went into it thinking nothing's going to happen other than if it is full, I want to have, I mean, it was expensive. That was expensive to throw away. You know, and that bag cost about 10 bucks. But um, I knew that if it, if it was like that, I didn't want to take the time because it actually it's very tedious to, not tedious, but when I, when I empty it, I'm very anal <laughs> about the, the closure part of my pouch where I want it to be clean. So I'll clean it very well before I fold it back up and, and Velcro it closed. And I'm like, I don't want to take my normal three minutes to mess around. So I'm just going to take an extra pouch, pull it off, put it on and, you know, boom. Yeah, I understand that. And also, I don't know how often it's happened to you or if ever, but when I had a temporary ileostomy, there were times when it would be like, whoops, I didn't really close that very well at the bottom or whatever. And, you know, or didn't clean it out very well at the bottom. I was the same as you. I would use something to, to clean out the bottom of the spout part of it and then close it back up again. But, and I think there's a lot more options for people now, but the one, the bags that I had and the system that I used, it had like a, almost, it looks like a chip clip that closed the bottom of yeah. it. And there's the potential to get that wrong if yeah. you're in a hurry or if your hands are shaking or, you know, whatever, you're in the middle of an Iron Man, you know, whatever, yeah. um, you could get that wrong. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think that was brilliant. And it, it's like, it gave you an advantage as far as I was concerned. I mean, since, um, you know, my, that, I call it my last surgery and hopefully it is my last surgery ever. That was December 12th, 2016. Since then I've had one time that my pouch has leaked and I don't even know it was just a fluke. I don't even know how it happened. 
So compared to the year before where I had, um, she had to move my stoma site from the right side of my, my stomach to the left because I had a fistula that had formed there. And so I could change the pouch and within a minute, the edge of it would be, uh, it would have the discharge from the fistula. And so I was constantly, it was constantly leaking and it was just a nightmare, but this one, you know, knock on wood and I don't even really think about it anymore. So this was a fun adventure. I'm glad that I was able to be there for it. It was fun. And if you're going to do any races in the future, uh, give me some lead time. And, uh, cause it was fun. It was like, it was a fun day, you know, and it was, you know, who doesn't want to go to Madison? It was, you know, it's a great area to be in. And, uh, I've talked to Brian several times about him doing Ironman and him doing other races as a permanent ostomate and having Crohn's disease and how bonkers it is to do that. Now that you've done it though, do you have any advice for other people besides don't? (laughs) (laughs) I guess don't train so much your strength. Like I said, I do the swim because that's familiar. And even if I had trained like I did back in college where I swam twice a day, six days a week, 12,000 plus yards over the two practices, one morning, one afternoon. Even if I had done that, maybe I would drop a minute or two in the swim. Unfortunately, the swim, in my opinion, it doesn't even really matter because it's too short for swimmers. The idea is, you know, you're doing these long distances. That was the whole thing because they were Back at the original one, they're trying to decide who has it tougher, like who's the best athlete. And so they, they, I don't know why they chose 2.4 miles for the swim, but nowadays uh, a marathon swim actually exists and is considered any distance over 10,000 meters is a marathon swim. I think, and I have a very unpopular opinion here, but I think the swim should be four to six miles for an Ironman. That would be, you know, 6.2 is 10,000 meters. That would 6.2 miles. That would be considered a marathon swim. You know, at the end we run a marathon. So why don't we swim a marathon? There's nobody that would take me up on that. I know they will, they would run me off with pitchforks. But anyway, if you're going to do that long of a distance and you're a pretty decent swimmer, you really maybe twice a week, you've got to get in the water. Otherwise you should be on your bike because it's the longest portion of the race. And then the run should come next. And it was a, a great adventure. Like you said, I, I'm glad I did it. I don't know, like I said, if I, you know, ever going to sign up for another one, never say never. But the other thing, maybe advice would be find people to train with, find buddies, whoever, you know, because it makes it way much more enjoyable to have those people on your side. And, you know, you're just done out there slugging through 80 miles on the bike by yourself. It's just, if it weren't for those guys, I, I would not have trained as much as I did, you know, because come on, you know, you're sitting there and you're thinking, ah, I should go run. I got to go run 10 miles. I'm not going to, it's really hard for me to motivate myself on my own. But if I've said to them, look, I'll be at this park at three o'clock, we're all going to be there. Okay. Now I better show up because I said I was going to, you know, So that helps quite a bit, actually, to have people that are going to go through the hell with you. I I feel like that's what a lot of other people have said, too, and that the racing community was very open and friendly. And I felt like so many people 
knew each other there. People had done the race before. They weren't racing. They were there cheering on other racers, you know, and, and I'm sure, you know, their friends that were in the race. And so that was really gratifying to see. And it is a very open and welcoming community. So uh, the social part of it, I, I think, can't be underestimated. Correct. And another, and you maybe think of this, another good piece of advice is in your area, most likely there is a triathlon club and go ahead and join it because they're very welcoming people. My local club, it's $30 to join for the year. And they put on open water swims and they organize bike time trials and things like that. And what I love about triathlon is you cannot look at anybody. I don't care. You put 10 people in front of me and you say to me, who is the fastest triathlete out of these 10 people? And you could have someone who you might consider a little bit larger. You might have someone who's super skinny. You put those 10 people up and you say, who's going who's gonna to go the fastest? I would never even attempt to answer that question because you cannot judge a book by its cover. And that's what's great about the sport is that the person you think, oh, that guy's all muscle. Well, he might be you know, the slowest one out of those 10 people. Again, and I know I shouldn't focus on time, like, but unfortunately, that's my competitive part of me from my early days. And because everything, especially with swimming, was, you know, what's your time in the 100 free? Just being out there and completing it is actually the reward and not, I shouldn't focus too much on how long it took me. I agree with that. So I have something to say about that. But before I talk about that, I have to talk about you're talking about like seeing all different sorts of body types and people, which is true. Like on the bike, when we were on the sidelines of the bike race, you got to see everybody going by pretty well. And also just all different body types, all different sizes of people, all different ages. So it's not necessarily like you have to be 25 and in the best shape of your life. And so that was also really interesting to see. And this sport is, if you want to be in this sport, you can be in this sport. It's totally fine. There's, there's no barrier to entry other than your own determination and setting your own goals. But okay, about the times. Like I said, I was excited about your swim time. I was excited that you got close to what you wanted to do. But then after the race, when your times were being read to you, I got mad. Like I was not happy in that moment because that wasn't important. It was important that you finished it, even that you started it, that you wanted to start it. After everything that you've been through with this stupid disease and it changing your life, and I'm sure you have a very different life than the one that you expected to have, that you completed this, I don't give a what your times were. So I had to get that out. <laughs> I agree. I mean, we, of course, that's what we do. We measure things, right? Yes. But you're right. Absolutely. Just me being out there is an accomplishment in itself. I'm proud of you. You did this, that you even wanted to attempt it after everything you've been through. I think that you've done plenty over the years for the IBD community. And yet here you are now doing another thing just with the article that I published about the race. So many people telling me how inspiring you are to them, even the healthy people telling me how inspiring um, you are. So thank you for being that person. And thank you for inviting me to come and share in this with you. 
I appreciate you having me on and appreciate you that you were there. So really, thank you. That was quite the undertaking. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. Hey, super listener. Special thanks to Ryan Stevens for letting me tag along and watching him become an Ironman. You can find Ryan on Facebook at IBD Swimming and Me. I will include all his social media information in the show notes, as well as links to more information about ostomy surgery on the episode 57 page on my site, aboutibd.com. I love doing my show, but it is a passion project. You can support me by sharing my work with others on social media and by leaving a review of my show in your favorite podcast app. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the next About IBD. Me and my late best friend, his name was Corey Lane. He passed away from um, Crohn's disease and osteosarcoma. We decided to create the Crohn's and Colitis Teen Times. And then unfortunately he did not live long enough to see the first issue, but he, um, I'm sure he would have been really excited to, to see where it's at right now. Thanks for listening. And remember, until next time, I want you to know more about IBD. 